Hi, welcome to the Keys Bartender Podcast, a podcast about Keys life and bartending or bartending and Keys life and life in general. How are you today? It's a beautiful day here in the Keys. We had a nice little rain. It's it's weird being in the subtropical. It looks kind of, when you think tropical, you think of rain. You don't think of dry spells. But every so often we get such the longest dry spells down here. You just see... Uh, we've had rain yesterday. It was nice. You know, as every so often, it's nice to have some intermittent rain. It's either too little rain or too much rain. I'm sure that's the same from where you come from or where you are. But down here, you just, uh, it's, I guess, the subtleties of coming from the mainland to an island and considering the islands or the uh, keys are coming right off the end of Florida, we get to see, if we look north, you can see maybe 20 miles north, you can see clouds, a heavy heavy set of clouds north of here many times in the summer. And they just don't seem to make it over the Keys. It's as if the moisture, I don't know enough about meteorology, but that Moisture just builds up over the land, and because we're mainly water around here, I mean, area-wise, if we're looking, there's more water than there is land once you go a couple miles off the coast here, that it just, those rain clouds don't seem to make it down here. They just seem kind of hidden, invisible barrier. Now, a lot of times, yes, they do. When that does, we get a significant amount of rain. But there's many times you hear people coming, oh, I just came from the mainland. It was pouring. It was pouring. And it just doesn't make it down here. But I'm not here to bitch about the weather. And I also wanted to talk briefly. I guess this is kind of like a policy issue. Um, you'll notice that I check explicit. I'm going to have to put this in um, maybe the warnings. Every so often there is... A possibility that a you know explicit language could find its way into the podcast. Though as a rule, I don't do that. But then again, I don't get all flustered when it happens. And when there was more guests on, which there probably will be in the future, when there were more guests on the show, I didn't want to have to. I wanted them to be organic the way they spoke and just not correct people and bleep people and things like that. Because I realize most of us are adults and this is a bartender podcast. So if you're going to a bar, sometimes you're going to hear things that maybe strike your sensibilities. But we're all adults here. So as long as we're not doing anything really hateful or disgusting, I think we should be all right. Uh, then again, obviously, if you, that does wreck your day when you hear something like shit, damn, fuck, um, you know, this may not be the show for you. And I apologize for that. I don't do it gratuitously. It may sound like I just did that then, but what I was doing was being demonstrative. That I just, I just want it there just so I don't have to do it. And, you know, I guess the, my, my nagging, Fear was people are going to just think, oh, this is going to be a filthy show. Every time you see explicit, it's just, you know, it's going to be like a insult comic or, you know, I mean, I was a big fan of Stern. I was a big fan of Stern. You know, after a while you get, you, you get, when you listen to someone long enough, you get 
kind of denuded to their way of speaking and you don't even think about it anymore. There's friends of mine that are always very uh, demonstrative in the use of explicit language. And I said demonstrative. You know, they just, they use that. They use those words a lot. And some people use it as an adjective. And they, every adjectives and modifiers and stuff like that, instead of saying stuff, sometimes people say, oh, you know, shit like that. And there's, you hear from, every so often you'll hear someone say, well, psychologically, when you use explicit language, this shows that you're, you know, it's a sign of uh, intellectual weakness. Or someone says, they may find the opposite. People that curse are normally more intelligent. I mean, there's usually a study both ways, Right. So it's just like being in a bar when people say they hear things. It's, oh, could you stop saying that? And I said, well, you're at a bar. You're at a bar. It depends on, the, you know, reading the room. I talked about that a couple shows ago. You have to read the room and see what it's like. So if you're in a, you know, certain different type social setting, you don't, you know, if you go in a biker bar, don't worry about using the F note. But, you know, if someone's there, it could be a biker there with his mother and he doesn't want to hear the F note in front of his mom. So, yeah, I always suggest to read the room. But the podcast here, I'm just going to keep on checking explicit, uh, even though I know it may be holding back people from listening. Because they say, well, I don't need to listen to that potty mouth that he has. Well, I don't, I don't think I have a potty mouth, you know. I've, I've, I am from Philadelphia, so I guess sometimes people say he has a filthy, filthy way. No, no, I don't. I am not a filthy talker. Not a dirty talker. Or maybe an intimate setting I could be. Who knows? I know who knows. Yeah, I know who knows. And you don't know. I'm not going to tell you either. That's between me and Abby. Okay? Well... To get on to the subject today, I wanted to, uh, on a, I was trying to make a recording about stories and about how people pitch stories in bars. But first, I want to make a brief discussion about a really important accessory that is overlooked in many bars. And depending on where you're from, you know, nowadays, and it should be this way, people should think about their... And it may piss you off. And when I say this, you should think about your ecological waste. Your, your, um, I'm going to see how sometimes I have a hard time finding the word, but the, the, the footprint you're leaving. And one of the things that are really important in, in, uh, at least the bars I found that are overlooked many a times are coasters. Because drinks, most drinks are chilled. Or served chilled. And especially in this steamy southern climate, the glasses sweat or bottles or, you know, it just sweat and you get a ring on a bar. If it's wood, you want to protect the wood. But a lot of times they have all this lacquer on it and stuff like that or some kind of faux wood. But who wants a lot of liquid on there? So that's what the coaster's for, right? And the weird thing about it down here, you don't want to add to the waste. It sucks having tons of trash. It does suck. 
I don't know anybody that has a problem throwing out the recyclables and things like that. And you may argue and say, well, you know, the recyclables, they just get thrown out in the same pile. They only recycle, you know, like 8% of the plastics or maybe 10% of the plastics, which I, th- I think is pretty much true. It's a, it's a shame. They, they got to get a little better with that. They said most of the most of the big plastic bottles that are thrown out end up in landfills and then and then ends up getting dumped, dumped in the ocean. Right? Or get or ends up getting dumped in the ocean. Now that's the same thing for coasters, right? Coaster becomes trash. But you can make you know, coasters are only supposed to be there. You need it for however long you're gonna be at a bar, right? So you can make those biodegradable or even better, you can make them reusable. And that's always a great way. And this one of our one of our workers, we have a new worker at our restaurant, and she started printing up from I, it seems like the mirror. Uh, uh, she started making coasters, and it feels as if the materials out of recycled wetsuits. And it, it, they look like coasters. They have a local business on it, and it has a phone number on it. And what they do is it, an advertising. Uh, marketing material for that company. I think it's great. It stays there. And people say, oh, can I have these? I'll use them at home and stuff like that. And they say, well, sure, the company would love that probably. Anytime when someone sees a pen and there's a phone number on it and it's a business and people say, can I keep this? And I say, well, obviously that's what the pen was designed for to spread the word. So if this person is, uh, let's say, a foot massager, and they have a pen with their phone number on it. They don't want to keep the pen to themselves because they know they're a foot massager. They need to give the pen out to people that need foot massages, right? Or toe cleanings. I don't know if there's such a thing. Well, there is. It's called manicures, right? Pedicures. But um, that would be, well, that'll piss off Abby if I say it like that, toe cleaning. That would be a specific kind of, uh, that would probably be really good. I'm getting off the subject, but it, you know, when an idea strikes me, it strikes me. You know, you see some being in the tropics down here since I just it just struck me this idea that there are people down here that it is a, uh, gosh, it's one of those last discriminatory things people have and it's their hygiene of their feet. And it makes people really nervous, you know, because there's sandals down here. A lot of open-toed shoes down here. You know, in the tropics, you could you could walk around in boots all day, which I've done. You got to be careful because it's you know it's hot and you're steamy. You can end up getting, you know, uh, I I hope you're not eating your breakfast. You can end up getting toe fungus, foot fungus, and stuff like that when your feet are wet all the time. So, but, but the toenails, they get, and some people, they get kind of really gnarly. And from working out, I've got mine banged up a couple times and the nail gets a little thick. It's not mine. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I should post it with a, t- uh, in the title of the show. That would be disgusting, wouldn't it? I don't think I'm going to do it. That's a little, that's a bridge too far, maybe. Posting. Um, a picture of my feet. I mean, I don't think my feet are disgusting. But if I didn't care for them, they could be become. You know, for years, there's people that just neglect 
those things. So that may be the, you know, you could have someone out there. I bet down here, there's a business idea. There's plenty of places that does manicures and stuff like that. If there is someone, they do this for teeth too. People have banged up teeth. They do veneers and all that stuff. We will fix your smile and blah, 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 blah. They show these things. Only 1200 bucks or 800 bucks or you know some payment plan. And you'll be, have the confidence to go out and do things and stuff like that. Well, I imagine there are people that would spend significant amount of money in the hundreds, in the hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get some kind of cosmetic restoration of their toenails. And there's an idea for you. It's a, it, I would call it a million dollar idea. You know, and you could do it mobile too. You know, mobile. And Jim, why mobile? Because people are so embarrassed about their feet that they don't want to go in public. And when you, if you had a business that was for, let's say, toenail restoration or clean, whatever you want to call it, re, um, rejuvenate, rejuvenate your feet. There you go. Rejuven- foot rejuvenation. Foot rejuvenation. There you go. I saw recent, there's a show on HBO called Carp Your Enthusiasm. And um, they, had, they, they did an episode about vagina rejuvenation. And uh, that was a big thing for a couple of years back. You hear about that. And I, um, I just want to credit. I don't want to be, dis- I'm not trying to be disgusted. I just want to credit someone with that. But foot rejuvenation, feet, feet rejuvenation, that would be good. Or um, foot rebirth, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a million dollar idea. See where we got from the coaster to foot rejuvenation. I don't know that ha- how that happens sometimes and where the connection is made. I did get up early today and ended up going working out for a while, doing my, uh, you know, couple miles rowing, couple miles on elliptical to get, you know, as much cardio as I can in before I have to go into work. So, you know, it's my routine. So that's where I get my ideas. So, Getting back to the coasters, how important are coasters and things like that? When we don't have coasters at a restaurant, you see, quickly swinging back to there, it's just that we're lost. We get rings on the, the the bar can get, you know, all swampy and stuff like that. It's just like one of those things until you, you don't have them, you really miss them. So there has to be a solution. There was some bar I went to in Philadelphia. It was in the Northeast across from, it was the place I loved as a kid, not the bar itself, because I loved this bar as a kid. I was eight years old and I would drink my Manhattans there. No, it was near the the Nabisco factory. And whenever we were coming into town or going past this thing, you just smell the cookies coming out of it, the cookie smell of it. And this bar was across the street from it. I think it was called the Comley. I don't even think it's open anymore. Comley, I don't mean Comley, C-A-L-M-L-Y. I mean Com, the, the, the name Com, like C-O-L-M. I think that's someone's last name or someone's first name. So they called it Comley Drive, I think. But the bar was called Comley. And they had a, a metal refrigerated 
collar at the end of the bar. It was a it was a narrow bar. And when I say narrow bar, it was only no more than like eighteen to twenty inches wide. The bar, but they had this at the inside of the bar. They had this metal flat well that was only indented maybe a half inch, and you could put. What they did is they served canned beer, canned beer, and they. Uh, and you could put your beer on there and it would stay cold. It was great. You could just, for people that actually enjoy their beer, meaning here I, I don't drink. I would never have a beer that would last more than 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. But if you take 45 minutes to an hour to drink a beer, that was great. You can end up, your first drink is the same as your last drink, just as cold. Maybe a little flatter, but that's what it is. Now, it didn't really work well for bottles because bottles are more, glass is more insulative, has insulative qualities. But those aluminum cans are really good. And I guess maybe they had, I don't know if they, now they would be great to have aluminum cup. You can have draft beer and put it in an aluminum cup. You just put it on that well thing. And that, you know, obviously you wouldn't want a coaster there. So that's one of the places you say, hey, this is where you don't need a coaster. You can actually you can put your drink in there too. You can make your drinks in these little aluminum cups. Wow. There's, you know what? All these ideas, This I'm going to call this, this is the million dollar show, even though it's probably on a $10 podcast. I got some million dollar ideas. Moving on, talking about great ideas and stuff like that. Every so often, We'll get people that come into the bar that have very interesting backstories and very interesting belief systems. Now, normally, we don't get people like myself who are adamant about not drinking sitting at the bar. We get some people who are comfortable that don't drink, that had drinking problems that come in. Now, there's people that have never drank, have no problems sitting at the bar and drinking tea and things like that. But, you know, the, the, we get these people. So we, I don't get a huge influx of people at the bar that have, let's say, more passionate or conservative, conservative beliefs in religion. When I say conservative beliefs, I don't mean political beliefs. I mean just really fundamental beliefs in it. In religious systems or, or some oddball views. We get a lot of people with oddball views of the world. We do. We had, um, I did, I, I, I think I mentioned last week, someone was talking about how uh, American cheese is uh, killing you because if you take a lighter American cheese, it doesn't melt, it turns black. And I said, wait a second. They put American cheese on cheeseburgers and it melts and it melts from heat and so we started discussion there and then they made they posited this theory this person did that the american government is trying to kill you and i said oh okay she says well you got to see this documentary and i said well anybody can make a documentary you got to remember that be careful with that and they go, okay. I asked the person, are you open to a reinterpretation of your views? And they go, no, I believe it. For I said, well, then we shouldn't have a discussion anymore, right? And they go, why not? And I said, well, 
you are firmly, firmly believe in what you have to present. Your, your, your story, your backstory, your belief system is locked in. So what you're telling me is the only way to go is for you to tell me either accept it or not. And I, there's nothing for me to say. How's that a beginning of a conversation? There's nowhere to go from that. And then they said, okay, let's hear it. And I said, are you really going to give me a hearing? And they go, yes. And they said, okay. Well, let's start with the basic thing. What is the American government trying to do? And it's, well, it's trying to control you, blah, 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 and trying to kill you and stuff like that. And I said, well, are they in it for a profit? And they go, yes, they're in it for a profit. And I said, where's the profit? In your taxes and stuff like that. And they pay this, you know, the, the bureaucracy and its power and all that stuff. So where do they get the, um, the money? And they say taxes. I say, okay, so they tax you. So you're a source of their income. And they go, yes. So you're telling me, and I stop right there, that the American government is trying to kill the people they profit from. I said, that is a bad business model. Imagine if McDonald's did that. And he said, well, maybe McDonald's is doing that, but intentionally, right? Because they're always getting new ones and stuff like that. They're, they, um, people say, now, what I suggest maybe, what you really want to say is that some of the policies are killing you. But they're wanting to kill you sounds to be counter business intuitive. Just like it would be counter business intuitive for McDonald's to want to kill its customers or Walmart or any, any type of business. You say AT&T is trying to kill you. And so really, AT&T is trying to kill you, trying to kill its customers. It's your grand plan to, you know, seize the market by killing its customers. So then you go on to different belief systems. That's where it gets uh, the, the, the um, well, the, you know about the flat earther. The flat earther, when they talk about, well, how does water stay there? And they go with the ice walls. There's ice walls that keep all the... And I guess if you did look at the poles and you thought you went around the poles and think, well, this is more of a wall, instead of you thinking you're going around and circling it, that's it. And then they say, you know, there's a, a, a certain l- limit above us that is above us in our sky where there's nothing. And I go, well, what's out there then? Where are we? What are we floating? And I asked. And then they, they kind of really build a, they make it more into a desktop model of depiction of what reality is. And I can go and say, well, what about the matrix theory? And you go to matrix. Yeah, we're all in the we're all in a big mainframe. You know? Or, you know, there was a theory that all existence was a virtual reality played across the surface of a black hole, which was really complex physics. Uh theory and so complex that it sounded like bullshit. 
But, you know, to be able to debate, you know, debating the existence of reality and what the reality is with someone who has a a basic understanding of gravity, because the one person I've, you may have heard this before, they explain and say, well, what if the globe, your, your, the planet system where you have an orb with water on it, if that would work, how come when you pour water on a ball that it runs off the side? And then I go, good point simple point you know this like what you know what a five-year-old scientist would do here we go there's a globe we pour water on it it doesn't stick so obviously everything's flat that sounds like a medieval one where they weigh you know if you saw monty python and holy grail they equated uh, a witch could float what else could float would be wood or a duck can float. And they came to the conclusion in Monty Python on Holy Grail that if a witch weighed the same as a duck, or a woman weighed as much as a duck, it's a witch. And they get to burn her. And that's their deductive reasoning. Simplistic deductive reasoning without gravity. You know? Without gravity. They... they you can demonstrate gravity to someone who's a flat earther and say gravity is what does it that keeps things pulled toward the center. And it's always just going to the center. It's not going down, down. They believe in gravity, but gravity goes only in one, one direction. And they don't really acknowledge the physical qualities of Gravity and what causes it and what mass, mass creates gravity. So you got that. So you sit there and t- you, you sit and talk to people and you have these discussions you talk about. And, you, and whenever they say go around the world and you see it, and I say you can't say you can go around the world because you're, you mean go around to the corners, the four corners. When they say the four corners of the earth, that's more sounds like a flat earth explanation. And lastly the ones that come up there and always venture. There's a couple people that go and venture. If it doesn't say it in the Bible, I don't believe it. And I go, which Bible? And they go, what? The New Catholic edition, the King James edition, the pre-James edition, the Aramaic translation of the New Testaments, uh, the Old Testament, uh Holy books, you mean the Quran, or do you mean the Torah or the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu stories and things like that? Which, you know, because we call it our Bible, that's and it's written by man, inspired by God, right? So they go, Well, that's what I hold to. And I said, Well, there's, and the one thing I always say to these people and say, Listen, if you're going to give me your whole thesis on why you're correct, are you going to give me the same hearing? And, and before they, I, I try to get them, if they're not going to agree to it, I said, Well, then, then you have nothing to say to me. Because you're, you're looking to engage me in a one way conversation. And that's not a conversation. That's indoctrination. 
Because indoctrination, you don't get a response. And they go, well, you'll get a response. So whenever someone really wants to get into it and they're really passionate about it, I, um, if they're outrageous enough, I will agree with everything they say. And I say, oh, I believe all that already. You have to do it. And they might say, oh, do you believe all of it? And I say, yeah, I believe all of it. Almost all of it. And they go, which one? Well, in your particular religion, I think you have 144,000 people that are redeemed to the highest level of uh, the highest level of heaven. Yeah, 144,000. Oh, you disagree on the number. It's a lot more. No, it's a lot less. And they go, what? I said this. I said this really good. A lot less. And they go, what is it? Well, mine's pretty exclusive. Mine's pretty exclusive. It's 12 to 80 people. And they go, 12 to 80 people. That's it. And, uh, you know, and they're pets. That's pretty much it. And they go, well, I said, but that's the highest level. That's the highest level. You have about 12 different lower levels, right? It's like a big, if you're in a huge airplane and we have a really small first class section and the rest of it is um, different grades of business upgraded economy and all that stuff. Finally, you're sitting on the freaking wing outside the plane, but you're still on the plane, just a little rougher. And then there's everyone else that's still on the ground. And they'll look at you and say, well, I use the plane model. And they'll just look at me and I said, well, what, why, why would you disagree on the number? Well, they told me, I said, well, I was told this. By who? And what What angel told you? It says, Angel Rufus. Angel Rufus came down to me one night and told me it would be about, you know, 12 to 80 people. Well, it's about time in that show. It's time to end it today. And once again, I want to thank you for listening. Remember uh, about that thing I said about explicit. I'm not going to. I'll do another explanation before, but I don't have to use the words that I said before. But it's going. To, it could pop up any time. But it doesn't mean, you know, just because you hear it doesn't mean it's going to ruin your day. Don't let that ruin your day. Just think of all the good stuff. Thank you very much for listening. It's Jim the Keys bartender. Please come back. <laughs>